Heterodorks. 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 Hey, turfs and trannies. This is Nina Paley, and we have an incredibly special episode today of Heterodorks. I'm Corinna. You've probably heard me on a previous episode, but Nina, do you want to tell everyone why this is a special episode? This is, we have a special guest heterodork, Chris Waits, who's my Facebook friend, and now he's my friend on uh, a video. I can Uh-oh. actually see him in real time. I'm, it, I'm in real time and I'm animating. I'm a little face in the corner. And I understand, Chris, you're coming out as gender non-binary on this episode? I'm, oh my God, you wouldn't believe how gender non-binary I am. I have a t-shirt and jeans, just like when I go to the store, all the women have t-shirts and jeans too, so I'm extremely <laughs> gender non-binary. In fact, I think Nina's wearing a t-shirt and jeans right now. We're almost twins. No, I'm not. I'm not wearing a t-shirt or jeans, but I think Corinna is. I'm wearing a skirt. <sighs> well, Chris, I think you might have to rethink this plan of yours. When I go to the grocery store, listen, when I go to the grocery store, most women are wearing t-shirt and jeans. I can confirm this. That's true. I, I do change into jeans and a t-shirt before I go shopping. Oh, wait, I'm a man. I'm sorry, Nina. You were about to say that. I forgot. But he said non-binary, or they. They said non-binary. Wait, non-binary what? Some special kind of, an extra special non-binary, right? When I listened to uh, a previous episode, uh, Corinna was extremely upset about pronouns. And I was like, okay, so I don't now know what to do. Even though I, you know, wouldn't have uh, mattered to uh, begin with, because I'd be directly referring to Corinna to... Corinna, as opposed to a pronoun, but uh, uh, it was very frightening. She, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, Corinna, made it very, very plain never to bring that up ever, so I don't know what to do. I'm in a similar bind, Chris, because with your beautiful locks and your hairy face, I'm not sure if you're a trans woman or not. (laughs) I, uh, my pronouns are he, him, I promise. This isn't a trap. Wait, wait, so when... Your, when you say your pronouns are he, I've him. I've never said that, that before in my life. Does that mean you refer to everybody as he, him? <laughs> I mean, that's okay. No. <laughs> I've never said that sentence out loud in my entire life. Thank God. I might have to misgender you. I promise I guess, I'll be okay with it. I guess I did. I just said, well, if you're okay with it, it's no fun. Anyway, uh, hey, turfs and trannies. What we're really here to talk about is Band-Aid Gate, the great facebook band-aid controversy which occurred when i shared chris's post about band-aids on facebook band-aids i was unaware people listening can't see i have brown skin i am half black uh i've never known my white parents i have one parent uh is she's a woman she uh, is a black um, I've never known my white parents, so I grew up. It's, the reason why I had need to specify that is because there was a lot of black people who listen and go, oh, a mixed kid. So obviously he was raised by his white side. I don't even know my white side. This is important to the story because there are new black band-aids on the store shelf. I had gone my entire life not realizing that they were supposed to match a white person's skin because if they didn't match a white person's skin, then there would be no need for these brand new black for, for made for me band-aids that are now on store shelves. I wasn't aware that band-aids were supposed to be for white people. I've never met a white person that that, let me put it this way, actually. You know how you can't tell who's trans and who's, uh, uh, you can never tell, there's no, it's impossible to tell. So maybe this whole time, every white person I've ever met had a Band-Aid on and I just never saw because it blended in perfectly. Do you know what I mean? But what I will say is I have in fact seen white people with a Band-Aid on and I said, oh, what happened? And they said, oh, it's the funniest thing. I cut my finger making salad last night. I've never encountered what I saw as a non, as an invisible band-aid. They've always been obvious. So I assumed that they matched nobody's skin tone. I didn't know they were trying to. They don't look like people. And I guess it turns out that there are some people that it matches, but I've never thought about that. So if someone were to ask, what's the color of band-aid? My whole life up until a week ago, I would have said, they're band-aid colored. I didn't know that they were supposed to be flesh-toned. But apparently, 
there is a desire for a black band-aid, then apparently people think these are matching white people. I was not aware of this. I saw your post. The thing that disconcerted me a little bit, Chris, is that the band-aids that they're making for black people, from what I could tell, they're made for people who are literally black, who do not reflect light. They are so black. Let me tell you how black they are. They're so black. 20 years ago, if they had existed, people would say, yo, yo mama's so black. She looked like the black Band-Aid and people would be like, oh shit, you know? (laughs) That's how friggin' black they are. Now, it turns out that there are multiple shades. The store, the local grocery store has two shades, a lighter black and, uh, or a lighter brown and, but neither of them match me. So I don't match the white one. I guess actually, since I'm mixed, I kind of, I guess the white one fits me closest, but they're not, they don't, the brown ones don't fit me, the white ones don't fit me, and the black ones don't fit me, so I'm extra marginalized. I'm marginalized multiple times. There's a solution. You need to wear two Band-Aids. Wear a darker one and wear a lighter one. I think yes, because also there's there's also the whole sun thing. So like if I have uh, two cuts, like if somehow I, I <laughs> this is bizarre, if I have a cut... So you see how, like, the sun, do you know what I mean? Yeah, skin tans. The the skin tans. So my skin, one of the things that's particular about uh, mixed people is we walk outside and we get instantly toasted, but I've never been sunburned in my entire life. So I can't go outside without some sort sort of uh, uh, tanning. So obviously if I get uh, my skin cut... I would need like two band-aids for for the different kinds of brown on my skin. Like this is ridiculous. Why would any I don't want to say that. Obviously somebody asked for it. Obviously somebody out there asked for it. But obviously somebody asked for reading on a non-white background. That's why when you can turn on your phone there's a dark mode. You know what I mean? Somebody had a problem with the white ba- background other than just it saves battery. You know what I mean? So obviously somebody asked for it, but the idea that George Floyd died, so now we're taking you to the promised land of Band-Aids. You know, what a bizarre concept. Right, so what struck me about Band-Aid gig, and now you've heard Chris's hot take on Band-Aids, right? And by the way, Chris, you you work stocking a grocery store, right? So you're you're a frontline worker and on the front line of new Band-Aid colors also. Yes, I saw them the second they came out and my friend and I hollered uproariously. Um, so I shared this little story on Facebook because I just thought it was amusing. Literally, that's the only reason I shared the story. I just liked the way it was written. And I was like, you know, it was funny. It was light, haha, so to speak. Um, and what happened when I shared it was all of these white allies came out and were furious one and they they didn't know Chris was black, right? So because Chris took a picture of his hand holding the band-aids and you know there's lighting stuff and the his skin on his hand is not super dark. And uh that's what really got me was like these supposed allies were they were race splaining, or I guess they were white splaining race to Chris and uh the more they like they would they would make comments like you know well this person obviously doesn't know any black people doesn't know what it's like to be black and blah, blah, blah. and I was like well the original poster is black and then they would just dig in even more so I saw the whole thing as a real great example of allies and the the allies dynamic that Corinna had talked about Corinna did you look at the comments on that post I did. I found them very enlightening. It was fascinating from an anthropological point of view, don't you think? Like watching in real time kind of the problems with liberalism kind of all um, kind of happening all at once and and our race relations in America. This stuff doesn't happen in other countries. I have a friend in India, and I don't mean in India. uh, uh, He's an Indian. He was saying that this doesn't happen in India. There's a billion people in India the band-aids are the same color no one thinks of them as flesh-toned and yet people kept saying that that my uh, my observation that i didn't know that they were flesh-toned had to do with my privilege 
Which is a bizarre concept because when white people see a stick figure, and this isn't uh, this isn't something that I just came up with. This is a known fact. When white people see a stick figure, they see a white person. When a Japanese person sees a stick figure, they see a Japanese person. When an Indian sees a, st a stick figure, they see an Indian person. I see a Band-Aid. It doesn't look like me. So it's not that I automatically assumed it was me. I automatically assumed it was no one because it didn't look like me. This isn't privilege. This is just me not caring. Like, it's it's me not fo being focused on race because do you know what I mean? Why would I think of it? It didn't come up, you know. Well, that's the, that's your privilege, right? My if privilege. Your privilege to not think about race, unlike white allies who think about race all the time. <laughs> well, well, let me you, compared to white liberals. Let me tell you what then happened. Okay, so now I'm sitting here thinking. Okay, so as you said, I work at a grocery store. I'm the kind of person who will think of, I'm an amateur open mic comedian. I like to tell jokes. So obviously my brain will go to ridiculous places on purpose. It's a thing, you know, every, every, do you consider, by the way, I meant to ask you, do you consider yourself a satirist or a cartoonist first out of between the two? Because I've seen you do satire, but if somebody were to just ask me who's Nina Paley, I wouldn't go satirist first. Would you consider yourself a satirist? I'm non-binary. I'm a... I'm I'm queering uh, culture. Well, would you consider that satire? Yes. Okay. Well, like, you know what I mean. Like, I just I would consider it sarcasm. I'm a sarcastist. So, you, as a sarcastist, you will see things and go, "That could be funny." But I want to say these observations I was having weren't uh, sarcasm. I saw brown flip flops, and I said, "Do black people want invisible flip flops?" I I, I don't know. I've never heard anyone. Mentioning that they want invisible flip flops, but I also never heard anyone mentioning invisible band aids. It's never come up. Whenever I go to the doctor's office, they give me the invisible band aid. Are, are they giving me the invisible band aid? And do they give white people normal band aids and they only give me the invisible band aid to shut me up because they don't mean Like, seriously, these are now thoughts going through my head. I am now thinking about race where there literally was no thought of race before. How is this progress? How is it that a person can go to the grocery store and say, I have to decide which device I will use to stop my bleeding and which one is, and this isn't just for black people. Now, now a white person has to consciously decide which Band-Aid they cannot use. Because this is a thing that we I was seeing in, in the comments, some people saying, these are, uh, I don't mind these Band-Aids so long as a white person doesn't appropriate them. What if the white ones are sold out? Because I guarantee you they're going to sell more white ones than the black ones. I promise you there's going to be a point in time when you go in the grocery store and there's no white ones. And guess which ones are going to be on the shelf? But you need to stop the bleeding. So there was no race prior to this. Even if every white person assumed that every Band-Aid was for them specifically and their specific comfort. Now white people are thinking about race. And now these glorious allies, these friggin' foot soldiers out, did you see I censored myself? I'm very proud of myself. Uh, these glorious foot soldiers in the battle of, of, of whatever it is they see in their brains, now they're thinking of race when they never thought of it too, which makes them worse. <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't need to encourage people to think of race. And I'm not the only person to ever think this. You know what I mean? There are plenty of black people who have said this throughout history. And there, there are, like Lil Wayne, I'm not a fan of rap music, but um, I was watching a clip of Lil Wayne and Lil Wayne's going, yo, I don't care about race. I think all that's BS. I care about Lil Wayne. You know what I mean? And yet people somehow think that this is how all black people think, that, they're, that, that somehow because... George Floyd died a year ago and a, and a Band-Aid company jumped on the bandwagon that we've been taken to the promised land. What I've noticed is that corporations like Target and Walmart, Best Buy, and like all, all the places where, you know, I would like to shop if I weren't permanently stuck in my home because of the pandemic. Come to Arizona. I haven't worn a mask in a year. I did for like a couple of weeks. I don't wear the mask. Wait, are you in Arizona? Yeah, we don't. I mean, people wear masks. I, I, I do oh, or don't. I thought you were on the East Coast, because when I yeah. said that, okay, all right, anyway, go on. Yeah, uh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> these companies have seen all of these social movements as a fantastic marketing opportunity. Uh, the, the one that 
I noticed recently, and, and we mentioned on the last episode, is that Target has a whole pride line of pride clothing, including T-shirts that they're marketing for people to pro- proclaim themselves as allies. And they, they have a T-shirt that says, trans rights are human rights. Now, I like to buy, like, bleach at Target and maybe occasionally uh, some kitchenware, but I don't want to buy far-left activist wear at Target. It's it's bizarre. I don't even want to go into Target and have political messaging blasted into my face. It's a it's a general goods store. It's it's the modern day uh Atlantic and Pacific, right? It's a modern A&P. I don't need activism blasted at me. However, it sells. There are a lot of uh people who are impressed by activism capitalism. <laughs> oh, that that must be the phrase. Activism capitalism. And uh it, it's I think it's mostly white people who are into it. I wonder how many white people are going to buy the black band-aids just to, to out of solidarity to show that there's demand for them. I don't think they will. To, but right. what I will say is it's really interesting, especially when you're when you're talking about like LGBT and how marginalized they are, and then you walk into Target and it's they're not only putting on putting on T-shirts; they put it on T-shirts that cost ten bucks. Like, I'm not going to say that that was made in China, but it certainly wasn't made with the high. Like, this is you're selling them to anybody, and the idea that Target would just sell the cheapest clothes that has the most marginalized people like this isn't what marginalization means and it is disturbing you know it, it is white people there was a, a a study last year yes last year that was saying support for the uh, for uh, the uh, kneeling had gone down it had spiked after george uh, george floyd during the football games the kneeling of the football players uh, uh, that spread from just colin kaepernick to literally every sport and into high school sports which i don't even know what their what what a high school person could possibly be um actually expecting to change if he's kneeling but they said that uh that support had gone down and had gone down the most with people of color because people of color turn into a football game to watch football, not be reminded of how oppressed they apparently are. And yet when a, when a person says, you know, I, I just want to watch football, somehow that's their privilege. What do they think actually oppressed people's days are like? Do they really want to go shopping for bleach, as you said, and as soon as they walk into the door, see the see a T-shirt that says that their lives matter. Like, bro, I came in here to buy a PlayStation, you know, like I don't need need to be reminded that how marginalized I'm supposed to be. What do they think people's days are like? Do you know what I mean? You know, for most trans people, I, I can tell you because the trans rights are human rights. Most trans people like me, I started <laughs> my day with a suicide attempt. Then shortly before we started this recording, I uh, was nearly murdered by a domestic uh, partner. And this, is, and this is every trans person every day. What about I... the radical feminists? I actually tried to, to murder Corinna earlier today. Right. Right. With your thoughts, with your, with your feminism. You didn't even mention that part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, so what I, I live in a white neighborhood, a, a very white neighborhood. I work at night. I have to put on a mask of Ted Kennedy so that everyone can say that's a white man walking to work at night like a good American white person. I can't possibly show myself skulking around at night in a white neighborhood. I don't actually do you want to know what what does happen to me in terms of uh, having this skin color? Um, So so it's because there are things right like so I I walk to work. And the cops will be looking for somebody and they shine a light right on me because they're looking for somebody and it's that night. But they don't say, hey, stop for a second. Or they don't say, keep going. They just shine a light. And I'm like, hey, show me your (laughs) Band-Aid. So it's not like it never enters my mind. But on the other hand, if we were constantly 
uh, under oppression, I wouldn't work at night. Do you know what I mean? I wouldn't walk through a white neighborhood at night if it was this bad. If it, if it was the, the exaggeration that they, I'm not dodging bullets as I, as I, as I walk to work, you know? So I wanted to talk about an interesting idea that emerged from the Band-Aid Gate post, mm -hmm. which was the idea of fitting in. Most of the allies were arguing how important it is to fit in, right? Like, oh, if you're a child, like one person who said that uh, you couldn't possibly have children, you couldn't possibly have non-white children, because if you did, you would be primarily concerned with the feelings of your non-white children and how terrible they would feel encountering a Band-Aid that didn't match their skin color. And then there was this whole other thing about dolls and the color of dolls. and Which had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, not nothing to do with Band-Aids anyway. And how very important it is for kids to have dolls that look like them. I should say girls to have dolls that look like them. And you or someone brought up the idea of, you know, I don't fit in. And it's actually good to not fit in. And it's actually good for kids to develop resilience because there's no way that kids are going to fit into absolutely everything all the time. And this preoccupation with making sure everybody fits in all the time is, you know, possibly detrimental to character. And I thought about that more, uh, like my own experience as a not fitting in young person. And yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's like a certain experience of pain that everyone has when they don't fit in. But I also didn't want to fit in. And I I thought about school. I'm really going on a tangent here. No, go ahead. Uh, I thought about school. Like my junior high school was a nightmare. It was a prison. I hated it. It was awful. And it was in <laughs> On that note, isn't it odd that pop culture teaches us that high school is the worst? And yet... For me, in high school, everyone was invisible that wasn't in your clique. Like, nobody bothered one another. This is my clique. That's your clique. We don't talk to one another. It was junior high that was just the fights every couple of days. There were no fights in my high school. I'm not saying there were no fights in anybody's high school. But in junior high, it was constant. Anyway, go ahead. So, yeah. yeah so was, junior, high was junior, high, junior high, as Matt Groening says, is the deepest pit in hell. Anyway, while I was in junior high in the 80s, this TV show came out called Square Pegs. I don't know how old you are, if you remember that. No, neither. Oh, you do. Okay. Only right. the theme song. Square pegs, square pegs, square pegs. That's it. Because <laughs> if only I could capture Corinna's expression. Right. So square pegs was this show about girl. You know, the protagonist is this girl in high school. And all she wants is to fit in. She's this nerdy girl. And... Everyone was talking about the show and hyping the show. And it's like, yes, all they want is to fit in. Uh, that, that this was the understanding of the difficult high school experience was not fitting in. And I was in junior high at the time. And I was like, no, this is totally wrong. I don't want to fit in. I want to get out, right? I don't want to be pretty and popular. I want to be free. I don't want this. But that's what everyone is told that they want. And the show is about, you know, the, the person that doesn't fit in, like, just trying to fit in. And that's what every movie is about. It's what almost every story is about. Like, how do you get the outsider to fit in? It's what inclusion is all about, right? We have to include everything. And this is fundamentally neoliberal, you know, if somebody doesn't fit in and they're able to accept that and embrace it and find their own path, that is not good for sales. That's not good for business. But if the primary value is that everyone fits in, there can be products for everyone. I was just noting the sort of passion that the white allies had for this idea of fitting in. They reminded me of the adults that seem to believe that miserable high school students just want to fit in too. And it's like, I think this is just the way that the system maintains itself, the way that the system keeps itself from disintegrating or, or shrinking. It's the way that it continually expands. Recently, I saw a TikTok video. It was a black woman with green hair, and she's doing a little song 
she's singing a song and she's singing colored hair doesn't make you unprofessional colored hair doesn't make you unprofessional colored hair doesn't make you unprofessional i can do this with my hair pink i could do and it's the strangest concept because there are two reasons why one would want and i don't mean dyeing your hair i mean colored hair like pink or green or blue the idea of coloring your hair as a, a non-natural hair would be for two reasons one to separate oneself from a perceived norm or two to announce allegiance with a particular subgroup what does that have to do with being professional like you sh if you're going to color your hair you're saying to the world i don't care about your professions i'm going to go do my own thing but this woman in 2021 is announcing to the world that not only does she want to be completely separate from the norm, but she is totally the norm and will be accepted by you. What? What? The whole reason why we invented punk rock was to say, I don't care about your system. I don't care about your jobs. I'll find my own way. Don't worry about me. You know what I mean? I don't have tattoos. But like the whole concept of punk rock is like, I'm going to cover myself in tattoos and have my hair crazy. You can worry about me and say, I'm not going to have a job. I'll figure things out. I'm going to live on the edge of society and I'll have kids or, you know what I mean? They obviously weren't thinking about kids, but like, I'll survive. I'll do the things that I need to do to survive. You don't need to worry about me. I don't want your system. So when you were saying that, that, the whole, that every story ends with uh, people becoming, um, learning to be part of the system. I don't think that that's true. I think that the initial act one is the weird kid realizing I want to be like everyone else. But by act three, everyone realizes how special they are. Like, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer wants to be part of the, and they all shun him. And then he realizes, no, actually I've got, and we seem to have lost that. We've seem to have lost that the uniqueness that is you should be embraced. Like myself, I'm a, um, mixed um uh, mixed black my grandmother was black my mom was black my cousins are mixed but my aunts and uncles are all uh black and a couple of uh white white in there and what happened to me is you know all these black kids started listening to hip-hop and they would tell me that it was keeping it real and it was authentic you know and i'm going hey harold i know where you live you know what I mean? You don't live in the ghetto. Nobody's been killed in the ghetto anywhere near you. We go to a carpeted high school with a double-decker swimming pool. What authenticity are you... Like, you're, you're trying to create this identity that you are forcing yourself into as opposed to just... I'm not saying I'm not saying anyone has to listen to hip-hop or not listen to hip-hop. What I'm saying is they accepted this idea of, of the authentic self and then force themselves into it. Now, obviously, some kid in the ghetto listening to uh, hip-hop music is like, this is my life. I, 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 there are gunshots outside my, my house. There is that. There are drug dealers, you know, and, uh, you know, you understand why they would be attracted to that music, but why would somebody in the suburbs, what are you, what are you, what are you attaching yourself to? I don't know what happened to being different. I'd look at that and I go, that's inauthentic. You're for, you know what I mean? I just want to be me. I don't know what happened to that actual punk rock spirit. Maybe it's our generation, because you know what I mean? You're a little older than me, obviously, but we're still part of that Gen X, who cares, whatever, like slacker attitude. And somehow just not caring about fitting in has given us personality that we're noticing is not happening in the, in the newer generations. They don't seem to understand it. It's not it's not a generational thing, though. I mean, even with, no, even with punk rock, like I remember when kids were were going punk and it was like a trend, right? It's like you go punk and it's just like another cult, another trend. Everyone goes punk, you know, like you said, there's the tattoos and there's the hair and there's the piercings and there's the music. And it's so, there's nothing independent about being punk. But you know what? It's so funny because I don't, so I hung out with punk rockers when I was in high school. And the one thing I didn't want, like, so for example, I've never, um, I've never smoked weed. I've never done drugs. I've never been drunk in my life. And part of that was because all my friends were doing it. And it was like, okay, so I want to be part of this crowd. I want to be identified with this crowd, but I have to find something that's different. Oh, you're smoking weed every day. I'll be the kid that hangs out with the punk rockers that 
isn't smoking weed. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you got a tattoo? I'll be the kid that hangs out with the punk rockers, but doesn't get a tattoo. Do you know what I mean? Like my hair, like, you know what I mean? Nobody has hair like this. I'm going to be the kid who doesn't shave. Like, I'll, I'm not going to, you know, kids would be like, oh, Chris, you'd look so much cooler with your head shaved. Oh, wow. A black guy with a shaved head. Wow. What an, you know, it's like, you couldn't tell I'm trying to make a statement with my hair. Like, what are you talking about? And for anyone who can't see this, because this is a podcast, he has this beautiful oh. weird owl hey. hairstyle. <laughs> weird owl? <laughs> he has a fro. My wife is laughing in the other room. She knows I'm going to. I'm going to be fuming about this for for days. He has a <laughs> contrarian fro. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. It's not a fro. Fro's go up. If it hangs in your face, not a fro. I just have curly hair. It, you could you could call it. Wait, what did you say? It's a what, not a fro? It's not a fro. I will accept kinky. It's because a, it's fro's by definition stick up. Mine hangs. Okay, but you called it something else. Just something other than kinky or. Kinky. It's, I'll accept kinky, kinky here. It's just kinky. All right. I'm a kink shaker. So then what do we do? How do we encourage individuality? Because this is America. We don't, right? Like the whole thing is Uh-oh. like, there's all these movements. It's like anytime you have individuality or authenticity being some kind of movement or some kind of label or some kind of marketable aspiration, then it's not the real thing, right? Like, I mean, believe it or not, everybody actually is different from everybody else. Exactly. You don't even have to make them. You don't have to make them be. They actually are different, and and the tragedy is that they don't seem to comprehend that because people being highly social are more attuned to what they're supposed to think than what they actually think. I am confident. I have faith that if you gave people somehow magically the space and the security to think for themselves what they actually thought would be different than what they are spouting on Facebook, but it would take them some decompression time because they are not habituated or they they don't have a lot of experience listening to their own selves. Okay, so I'm going to make a... um... The thing I'm about to say is going to sound like it had nothing to do with what you just said, but I promise I'm going to loop back around. There's a logical fallacy I discovered in the post that we're talking about, the Band-Aid post. And it's something I've been thinking about a long time. It's, I've, I've called it goleming. The idea is when somebody states an opinion that does not sound like somebody's own tribe, what, what is espoused to be the, to one's own tribe, if it's not said from that point of view, then you assume it's the diametric opposite. And so you create a golem of a person that you assume and you put their face with a thumbtack and then you attack that. This is different than a straw man where you attack an argument. And so one of the things that I've noticed is in that argument, people were assuming, like you said, one, that I was white, but two, that I was extremely conservative because I would dare... Um, criticize the Black Band-Aid, despite the fact that this didn't exist more than a week ago. It's not some sacred cow. One of the most bizarre things about what we've created with our tribalism and how we're looking at one another and saying, this is this is what my tribe believes and this is what your tribe believes, is we all have differing opinions from our own tribes. Vegans will say, honey, yeah, um, honey, That I'm going to eat honey, that's too far. A, a, a Christian who's pro-life will say, it's not like the Holocaust. I, those people, Whenever people say that, that, that's crazy. We all have differing opinions from our tribe. And yet we still assume that whenever people have a differing opinion, that they must be the polar opposite of, of ourselves. Which is bizarre because we all know that we don't agree with every single thing that every single other person says. And so it's like what you were saying. It's, but it's not just Facebook. Social media has is an accelerant. It's created these personality defects in real time, but all this stuff has always existed. And it's just interesting watching them happen in real time where you can watch people kind of um, create personality disorders and create new logical fallacies all in real time. And it's like, but you should know better than that. Like you said, we all actually are very individual. I'm not. Corinna, Corinna is the least individual person. Actually, actually, 
I was listening to an episode of your podcast where, do you know what you did? <laughs> you said that you would, you were like, I dare anyone to ask me my pronouns at work. I dare them to. I'll, I'll mess them up right in their face. So why do we do this? We all know that we don't agree with everything. And yet when we hear somebody who doesn't agree with everything, we think that they're the, not just, I'll give you a perfect example. I don't know what either of you think of Jordan Peterson. That's irrelevant to this particular point. Jordan Peterson comes on to a, uh, uh, news programs and they're like, okay, so you're a men's rights activist. And he says, I'm not a men's rights activist. And then they continue the interview as if he had just said, I'm a men's rights activist, please continue. And it's like, you're arguing with a completely different person than is sitting in front of you. But that particular news anchor who, who is doing that, he or she knows that the guy that works across the cubicle from them has a differing opinion. Like, why do we do this? What, how did we get to that tribal where we cannot, even though we ourselves in our heart think completely different things in our tribe, the second we identify a different thought from uh, not from our tribe, it's not just it's not just that it's a, a villain. It's the polar opposite of ourselves. Don't we like it when we can easily reduce people down to a set of simple stereotypes that we can understand? Well, then why not just simply this person's stupid? It's not just that this person is stupid. They become a cartoon of the polar opposite. You know what I mean? Not just stupid, but conservative and white and uh, straight and all of the exact opposite of the things that we that we would ascribe to ourselves, as opposed to just this person's stupid, which would is very obvious why we would do that. Because everyone well, is it, stupid. I think true. yes. That is our authentic selves. I'm not. <laughs> but you're the more you're the most same as everybody else person in the world. That means you have to be stupid. I refuse to recognize your logical contradiction. <laughs> why do you guys think that is? Why do you think? Why do you? Why do you think that? Again, I of, of course uh, we dismiss one another uh, that that are different. That makes complete sense. That's that makes sense. But why the polar opposite? It's fun. I mean, forming tribes is like a way that humans survive. And I thought about this when I was canceled and scapegoated and I thought about the history of scapegoats and why do people scapegoat? Because it, it seems to be a really primal and deep behavior, uh, which I think predates organized religion, um, reading uh, the Old Testament as I was doing, uh, the, like the scapegoat... The, the ritual scapegoat where the priest selects or, you know, puts his hand on a goat from the tribe and the goat is cast out. They did that to goats because before that they were doing it to people. And it was an attempt, I think, to reduce the human cost of this very human inclination to target individuals and harm them or excommunicate them or or go after them uh but we also really like to do it to outsiders i mean that's a tribal bonding thing is to is to identify outsiders and it's like your tribe gets gets a stronger bond when you are fighting outsiders but i think it also gets a stronger bond when you're ejecting insiders which is what happened to me i have a good example of this nina what about those fucking white simp liberals who were commenting on the band-aid post what idiots they're so dumb i wish they would think for themselves i guess Listen, they're stupid they're all like i care about people blah, 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 blah. like grow up you know what i mean stop caring what a jerk look everybody i'm a i'm a good ally i, I i'll even keep the the colored people in their place if they get uppity I mean, I do feel, I feel a, a much stronger bond with you, Corinna, since we have joined together in our disdain for allies. Your point, Corinna, uh, about allies what, <laughs> was dead on. One of the things that drives me bonkers is people don't seem to understand what the word um, ally is traditionally used for. Allyships are matters of convenience. 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I wrote down on a sheet of paper that we're allies because um, if you go to war, I'm going to back you up because it has my benefit. <laughs> Do you wow. know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 for example, I don't want Germany taking over an entire continent because it has uh, uh, it would it would be bad for me. So, hey, guess what, Russia? There's bad things about you that I do not like. I don't like you, really. And as soon as this war is over, we're going to be at each other's throats. But we are allies because it would be mutually beneficial, although this will not last. We act like allyships aren't. Uh, it's like. Actually, what I would like is a friend. And while a friend will totally throw down, like we all have our ride or die. Can I say the B word? <laughs> People have their Wait, ride or the die. What's the B word? What's the B word? You know the phrase ride or die, bitch. That's my ride or oh, die, bitch. Oh, 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 okay. We all have ride or die, bitches, right? Someone that's going to throw down and scrap when it comes down to it, right? But really, most of us don't want our drama to begin to explode. Most of us kind of want a friend so that when drama happens, we can go, okay, I, uh, that was crazy. Hey, friend, let me cry on your shoulder. And yet what allies do is instead of going, hey, friend, I can listen to you. They go, ah, and they just escalate everything. That's not a friend. And it's so that so when Karina was complaining about allies, I was like, yes, completely. I don't want an ally. I want a friend. Don't we all? Like when, and obviously, uh, 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 I don't want you to put up with my drama forever. Do you know what I mean? But obviously, what I actually want, what I actually want is someone to listen to me. That's what I really want. And if somebody from the other side is, is putting me down, obviously, put in the good word for me. Do you know what I mean? Back me up. But this insane, like, I, there's no black people around and all these white people are, are just coming down from the mountains like, like, like there had been a, 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 a trumpet call. And it's like, this isn't being an ally. This is making it all about you. You know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. not a friend. I want a friend. Don't yes. we all? Yeah. So I wanted to tell you that you're completely right. Allies are full of shit. I think you raise an excellent point, Chris, and and I want to add to it also is I don't want to I don't want you to how to how to put this I don't want to be your trans friend. You probably don't want to be somebody's black friend. Nina probably doesn't want to be anybody's cartoonist friend. I'm the I'm your white woman friend. It's very important white to woman your friend. Karen friend. Some of my best friends are menstruators. <laughs> Listen. I love white women. Who doesn't? <laughs> a lot of people. White women themselves, actually. Yeah, and what's up with that? <laughs> There's nothing like the performative. Uh, that was another thing. Many of the same people, actually, that commented on the Band-Aid thing, uh, they, from time to time, I guess when Trump was elected, they, they were very outspoken about how terrible white women are. They were they are white women, but they blamed white women for electing Trump and went, "What is wrong with white women?" And there's a lot of real performative uh, race shame, especially. I mean, I've seen men do it too, but there's a particular type of white woman that really is into the self-flagellation. White guilt is like alcohol. You all love drinking it and some of you get so fucking drunk off of it you get obnoxious it's like for one thing you don't really need to drink it's kind of like a a weird but hey live do your thing can you not be sloppy drunk off of white guilt it's kind of gross it's kind of gross and the whole village is talking about you you know what i mean did you read uh shelby Steele's essay the age of white guilt no i did not ah it's one of my very favorite essays i'll put it in the show notes okay I'm sure maybe I did. Um, yeah, but anyway, just just for the record, I don't actually drink or get drunk. When you were saying that you'd never been, I'm like, wow, yeah, Chris sounds like me. Although I have Nothing. tried to get drunk, I've tried, and I've uh, tried weed a number of times, but it it's never been pleasant. It's and... unpleasant. Who drinks it? You drink, and you're like, it's hot, but the room is not hot. Who enjoys that sensation? <laughs> My body is hot. Are you hot? No, I'm not. I'm not hot. Oh, it's just me. This is insanity. I've 
this is insanity and my stomach feels heavy for no reason. For no reason! Who enjoys this? Is that what it's like to smoke marijuana? No, that's drinking. Marijuana I would never oh, know. Oh, drinking. Marijuana was, it's, the best The best I can say with my experience with marijuana is that I eventually stopped coughing after half an hour. And I was like, well, it feels so good to stop coughing and to feel like I'm not inhaling a burning rubber tire. Maybe that's what high is. I can't tell if I'm high or not. It just feels so good to have that sensation stop. That was my best experience with pot and my worst experience was psychedelically off. It was a very, very bad trip. Um, but for me, I've had minor effects from alcohol, mostly my legs feeling kind of funny. And I was like, this is not pleasurable. It's not horrible, but mostly this is just like, it's definitely not pleasurable. Like clearly people are getting some pleasure out of this that I don't have a pleasure receptor for or something. I'm just getting some yeah. So people, I've always said I don't like the taste. And then people have the strangest reaction. They say, Who drinks for the taste? I'm sorry, but my species has taste buds. Like I can't help it. It's the weirdest thing. Why would you force yourself? Why would you admit out loud that you force yourself to drink this poison that you know is poisonous and you force it past your uh, your taste buds? That's well, other, yeah, I mean, other, also when people say, oh, you can't taste it. Try this drink. You can't taste the alcohol. And I'm like, I can totally taste the alcohol. I can like, taste the alcohol. Like everything, everything that has alcohol in it would taste better if it didn't have alcohol. But uh, I'm like, okay, this is clearly, you know, I'm just an outlier in this respect. Yeah. I genuinely believe that the people that are enjoying the taste, because many people do enjoy the taste, that they're really enjoying it and that they're also enjoying the effects and that they're getting some kind of light yeah. buzz that I am not I getting. And it's like, all right, I just got to accept. Listen how pathetic we are. We're like, we're all individuals, but none of us take drugs. We mostly don't drink. I, I don't drink uh, hardly at all anymore. Chris, you don't have a tattoo. Nina, you don't have a tattoo, right? The only tattoo I have is of a black power fist that I got to show my allyship. <laughs> as as so, one would on your face right. we did notice that yeah the, the thing is it looked kind of like it hurt like it's that's a bad place on your face like there's places to put it on your face if you're gonna on your face not there well not it, there. it's 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 just right above my lips so that it covers up the little patch of hair that still grows uh where i'd have a mustache <laughs> if i hadn't i was had trying not to make, to make yeah <laughs> The whole time I was thinking about it, but I was like, no, that's kind of rude. Like you just met Corinna. It's like yeah. a black bandaid, really. Right. <laughs> exactly. The thing you just, time. you would normally wouldn't think about it, but there but it is there it in is. your face. I have a question, Chris. Yes. Yes. You said that you are a. Who the hell am I? I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. You said that you are a struggling and not famous stand up comedian. I would call myself an amateur open mic comedian. I see. So no Netflix special yet. No Netflix special yet. Right. So, and you don't do identity-based comedy, so you won't have a Netflix special anytime soon. I would say if I were a comedian, like a professional comedian, I would say I would wait about a year before Netflix is like, we have to get rid of this shit. <laughs> we have to do something because... So yeah, I, I would actually think that, that that that's going to change pretty soon. That's what I, I think. Because they're on YouTube and they're, you can't ignore them. But anyway, go ahead. No, I'm not getting a, a, a Netflix special soon. No. About a year from now. Right. Although this Band-Aid thing, I think this has some, some potential for you. I can uh, get my, 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 uh, my hard five. Oh, yeah. They'll say, uh, that's Chris, the Band-Aid guy. In the meanwhile, before you get your Netflix special, do you have like a a, a a YouTube channel or anything that anybody can know? No, I'm nobody. I don't. It was very surprising to be uh, uh, invited to your uh, your podcast. I'm nobody. Oh, we're gonna launch your career. You know what would be very fascinating is if my uh, the launch of my career stumbled in this exact way with uh, a turf and a true scum. I think is what they call. Excuse me, did you call me a true scum? I don't know. I didn't use the wrong word. I'm teasing. Oh my god, it was a joke. Oh my god. It's tranny. Tranny, Chris. 
But true scam is the, is is what they call gender critical trannies. <laughs> Did you not know this? That's true. That is one word. Uh, actually, um... you know, honestly, I was very happy to hear that uh, Nina Paley, because I don't know that much about Nina Paley, and it's it's nice that you guys have that this podcast exists. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, nice. it's fun. But it you know, fun. like I like I told uh, Michelle. Michelle messaged me. Um, Michelle's I, my wife. I assume she's your wife. Yes, and she she said that it was great. Uh, you were going to be on the podcast and she's so proud of you. And I said, well, we hardly have any listeners, so don't be too proud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so when this launches my career, I can just go, uh, whatever the next thing is, I can just skip this one is what I'm saying. This was actually just a plan to increase our listener base by 50%. By yeah, getting, by having a person but, with 250 friends on Facebook. No, I was thinking by just getting Michelle to listen to it. I was thinking she'd listen to it. <laughs> so it'll be worth it. It will be. You're launching our career. <laughs> Chris. And I'm going to tell my friends, and at least two more people are going to listen to this. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Listen, listen. This is what an ally does. That's great, but I wanted a friend. <laughs> you can't steal my bit. That's my opening five. <laughs> Chris, you've been a fantastic heterodork. Thank you for allowing you so us much. to induct you into our tribe. Uh, just Thank remember you so now, you, you have to consider the people that we think of as enemies your enemy as well. I not only will I consider your enemy, but I will create a bizarre cartoon character of what your enemy probably is. But I have no proof that they are. And they're in my mind. And, ooh, they're so fun to dunk on. Yeah, yeah, and our tribe seems to be expanding. So pretty soon, someone gets scapegoated and ejected. So think about that. Keep that in the back of your mind. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for inviting me. This is really nice. Thank you so much for coming. And, uh, yeah, we had a great time. So long, Turfs and Trannies. Bye. <laughs>